0: Welcome to the Thrive City Church podcast. My name is Pastor Ben, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to check us out. At Thrive City Church, we want you to experience a thriving life with Jesus. Wherever you are listening from, we hope that you find this message hopeful and encouraging. everybody, welcome to church. I hope that you're having a great Valentine's Day so far. If this is your first time checking out Thrive City, my name is Pastor Ben. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor of such uh, an incredible church family. And I'm so glad that you have decided to join us this week for week two of our new series, Relationship Goals. Last week, we talked about the importance of putting first things first. We learned that God desires not only to have a relationship with us, but to have relationships for us. We talked about how God has intentionally placed each and every one of us with a specific purpose for our lives and with provision to see that purpose fulfilled. If we cannot be satisfied with the things of God, there is no way that we can be satisfied with another person. So don't let another person take the place of the things that God has for your life. This week, we are going to shift our focus just a little bit, and we're going to talk about marriage. But wait, 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 wait. I know that there were a few of you that, that hear me say marriage, and you immediately tune out. But I encourage you to stick around, because the truths that we're going to learn this morning really apply to almost every relationship. We are going to be reading out of John chapter two, beginning in verse one. I'm telling you, I love the gospel of John. We are going to jump right in. John chapter two, beginning in verse one. It says this. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now became wine. And his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and with his brothers and his disciples. And they stayed there for a few days. All right, let's begin our time together in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who desires for us to experience thriving relationships. I thank you. For each and every person who has joined us this morning, I thank you for the many relationships that you have entrusted them with. We ask you this morning that you would enable us by your spirit to honestly examine ourselves, that your spirit would convict us of any sin or bad habits that we are holding on to. Use your word to do a work in our lives. In your name, we pray, amen. Over the past five years or so, I have really come to enjoy weddings. I love weddings. Uh, Over the past five years, I've had the chance to plan a wedding, to officiate weddings, to DJ weddings, and to attend weddings. I'm telling you, if I was playing wedding business bingo, I would only have a few spots left. And there are several newlywed couples right here in the Thrive City family, and I have just loved seeing them get to plan their weddings and celebrate together. Like I, like I said before, I've really come to love weddings. I didn't always, but now I really do. Weddings are almost always a good time. You get to dress up. You get to grab your date, you get to grab a babysitter, and you get to go have fun with your friends. And maybe I shouldn't say this as a pastor, but one of, my, one of my favorite parts of the wedding ceremony is when it's over. Everybody is able to just relax a little bit, and you're able to take your time heading over to the reception, and then there's food, there's drinks, there's desserts, and then there's dancing. Have you ever been to a wedding that just didn't quite go as planned? I remember at at my wedding, uh, we look back and we laugh at this now, but in the moment, it wasn't funny at all. Our DJ completely butchered the names and the orders as we were doing the introduction. And in that moment, it was the most awkward and embarrassing thing. And I remember Tina and I looking at each other like, what is going on? He's ruining such a good day. You know, have you ever been to a wedding where something just didn't go as planned? Maybe the bride or the groom showed up late or maybe even not at all. Or maybe the DJ only played obscure Russian techno music from the 80s. Or perhaps the catering got completely messed up and all of a sudden there was no more food or drinks to go around. Whatever the issue might have been, this occasion, this wedding celebration that should be such a good time spent with family and friends and loved ones, an occasion that should be joyful and exciting and memorable, becomes embarrassing and painful and memorable for all the wrong reasons. In a way, when you think about it, weddings are a lot like our marriages, our relationships they are a blast at first, and it seems like nothing is wrong, and it seems like everybody is getting along. However, what happens when your marriage runs out of wine? What happens when your marriage that was joyful and exciting and memorable all of a sudden becomes a source of tension and anger and embarrassment or division? Maybe for you this morning, as you kind of think about and you examine your own relationships or your own marriage, you've realized that your spouse has entirely different life goals than you, or perhaps there is, there's tension in your marriage because of different views on politics or religion. Maybe your marriage is haunted by the ghosts of your past or with issues of infidelity or abuse. Maybe after the glow of your wedding has begun to wear off, you're starting to settle into a truly uncomfortable reality. Well, I want to make it clear that none of us have perfect relationships. I'm not trying to single anybody out in particular and make you feel bad about your marriage or your relationships, all of us, have to work on our relationships. Stop comparing the behind the scenes of your marriage, the problems that you have to the highlight reel that others portray themselves as on social media. Whatever the issue in your marriage or your relationship might be, I truly do believe that God desires to see your marriage thrive and not just for your sake, but for your relationship to bring God glory. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to examine this passage that we read in John chapter two, and we're going to see what Jesus can bring to the party around the age of, of 30, Jesus launched into his earthly ministry by being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. You can read more about that in John chapter one, right before this passage. As Jesus began to travel around the surrounding areas, he began to call his disciples before heading back towards his hometown to attend a wedding. For a moment, just imagine this, imagine inviting Jesus to your wedding. Although they didn't know it at the time, I imagine a couple years after the fact, this couple that we read about in this story, look back and they tell the story about how Jesus was invited to their wedding. We can only assume that this couple getting married were friends or family of Jesus, considering that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also invited. Now, I've been to some incredible weddings in the past, some, some beautiful weddings that, that blew me away. But this wedding that we read about would have been like unlike anything that you or I have ever attended. This was a party. It was common for wedding festivities in this culture to last for about a week. Now, talk about a good time, a wedding reception that lasts for more than a week this marriage celebration would have also been a a huge social event, essentially setting the tone for the future relationship of the bride and the groom. But in verse three, all of a sudden, there's a problem. The wine has run out. I can imagine the news about the wine running out began to spread in hushed tones and in whispers as people began to notice the problem and what was going on. What you might not know is that running out of wine, well, to us would be a problem. We would just run to the store and to get more running out of wine for them would have been a huge deal and it could have had lasting ramifications for this couple. This mistake would have followed them and their relationship and their reputation into the future. One thing that we're not told about in this passage in John chapter two is why the wine ran out in the first place. Did somebody make a mistake or a miscalculation? Was the liquor store closed on the Sabbath or were there uninvited guests? Whatever the cause, the source of the wine had run dry. They had run out. The wine had been served faster than it could be replenished we need to note real quick before we go any further that wine in the Bible frequently represents joy or provision or God's abundance. So what happens is we begin to see that this story is more than just wine and a wedding. It's about a relationship that has run out of joy. How many of us can see this same problem happening in our marriages. For months, maybe years, you fly high in this honeymoon period thinking that things in your marriage are going great, but all of a sudden you and your spouse hit a rough patch. You just don't seem to get along like you used to. There there seems to be more tension than, than normal. Maybe you even have your first real argument and you realize, that your relationship has slowly been leaking joy. And you suddenly see that this relationship that was such an overflowing source of joy has now run empty. And you're out of wine and you don't know what to do. In this story, we're told that Mary, the mother of Jesus, approaches him with the problem. Like a true mother, she presents her request in a statement and not a question. I love how she she says this. She just says, Jesus, they have no wine. And I imagine her statement was accompanied by that motherly look that you and I likely know all too well as our mothers just say, Ben, there are dishes in the sink And although Mary didn't expressly ask for Jesus to do something, she heavily implies that he needs to handle this situation. And Jesus responds to her, woman, what does this have to do with you and I? In other words, mom, not in front of my friends. Uh, I know what is going on, but I'm going to handle this in my own way. Here, Jesus is not not being disrespectful to his mother, but he's trying to make it clear to her that he needs to handle this in his own way, in his own timing, that he has a greater plan and a purpose, and he needs her to trust in his timing. So this morning, somebody needs to know that God's delays are not always God's denials. This is an idea that we have talked about in previous weeks and in other messages that just because God seems silent, it doesn't mean that he is absent. God's delays are not God's denials. So has your marriage or your relationship run into trouble? And maybe you have been praying for days or or for months or for years, and it seems like nothing has changed. Don't be discouraged. Trust in God's timing. God often operates outside of our understanding. And when we approach him with a problem in our relationship, his solution isn't always instantaneous. See, this is where so many of us get caught up in misunderstandings about how God works. Our relationship with God is not an escape from the realities of life. So while we might have a, a dramatic change within our soul as we come to faith in God, it doesn't mean that everything else in our lives will necessarily change as quickly or as dramatically. So your marriage, it might not get better overnight. And your spouse might always have that bad habit that just drives you crazy. I just don't want you to rule out that God might be working in your marriage or in your relationship in a way that you don't expect. Just remember that God's delays are not God's denials. What we see in this story is that although Jesus didn't want to do things necessarily how his mother wanted him to, he still came through. Back in the passage, if you look in verses six and seven, Jesus does something unexpected. Jesus asks the servants who are at the wedding to take six stone jars that were used for Jewish religious ceremonies to be filled with water. This wasn't a simple or a small task. Like we're told in scripture, each one of these stone jars held 20 to 30 gallons. In a time where there wasn't running water, this must have taken quite a long time to fill up. And you can only imagine what these servants were thinking. We don't exactly have time for this. Who is this guy? We are out of wine. This party is in trouble. And here we are wasting our time filling up these jars with water. However, they do, as Jesus told them. And when Jesus instructs them to now draw out a little bit of what they had just put in, the water had now been turned into wine. But we need to know that here, Jesus just doesn't turn water into wine. Jesus turns embarrassment into blessing. This is such an important thing for us to understand, that here in the story, Jesus saves the day by supplying wine to a wedding that had run out and at the perfect moment, Jesus steps in and is able to turn a potentially embarrassing moment for the bride and the groom where they were about to run out of wine at their wedding, a huge social faux pas. Jesus is able to turn that situation from embarrassment into a moment of celebration. So let me ask you this, what is your wine? What is the area within your marriage or within your relationship that has begun to be, be an area of, of embarrassment that you are ashamed of, that you're, you're kind of afraid to talk to your friends about because you don't want to be labeled as a failure in your marriage? What is the area that in your marriage that you have been avoiding or that you have been hiding from friends and from family and maybe even from God? Jesus has the ability to turn our areas of embarrassment, disappointment, or shame into blessings. However, we need to be willing to have the difficult conversations. See, this is the thing that we don't like to talk about all the time, that I truly do believe that Jesus has the power to turn embarrassment into blessing, but sometimes we need to do the hard work. We need to have those hard conversations. Just remember that hard conversations don't always have to be harsh conversations. I don't want you to turn around after the end of this message and start, start talking a little bit too harshly with your spouse because you need to work on some things in your marriage. Hard conversations don't have to be harsh conversations. In this story, Jesus chooses to use old religious instruments, these stone jars that were used in these purification rites, he uses them to bring forth something new. Jesus didn't just use any bottle or old container that they had laying around. Jesus specifically chose to use these massive stone jars that were set aside for a specific purpose under the law of Moses. And in doing so, Jesus showed that he was ushering in something so much better. I'm telling you that Jesus can take our old habits, our wounds from the past, our regrets and our mistakes. And he can bring forth something new in your marriage. But we have to be willing to let those things go in order to be used by God. Remember, we talked about last week, things of worth take work. Let God turn your embarrassment into a blessing. In verse nine, we see that when the organizer of this wedding celebration tasted the new wine, he could not believe it. He calls over the bridegroom and he pulls him aside and he says to him, man, typically people start off with the name brand stuff and they wait until a little bit later when people are a little bit tipsy and they bring out the generic stuff, the the stuff of lesser quality. But you, you have saved the best for last. Here, we need to fully understand the scope and the magnitude of this miracle that takes place. Jesus always restores better and beyond. Jesus did not simply replace the wine that had run out. He restored it. He restored its supply to an extent that they never could have dreamed about. Scripture tells us that the amount of new wine was between 120 to 180 gallons. That's almost a thousand bottles of the best wine that you have ever tasted. So, Jesus doesn't simply replace or repair our relationships, He restores them to something better that we never could have dreamed of or imagined. I really hope this morning that you understand the transformative power of the gospel, of the good news about who Jesus is. Our relationship with God is not a a crutch or a safety net. Our relationship with God involves life-changing reconciliation and restoration. So Jesus turns water into wine and and Jesus brings us back to life. And through him, we are able to experience a thriving life like no other because Jesus always restores better and beyond. If you do not remember anything else from this message, I want you to remember this. Get God on your guest list. Get God on your guest list. Now, this isn't just a catchy phrase. It's a way to remember the importance of involving Jesus in every single relationship that we have, whether it be in our marriage or with our family or our friends. Get God on your guest list. Invite him to your wedding. Invite him into your life and your marriage because Jesus always brings an abundance of joy and new life. Remember that God's delays are not God's denials. Remember that Jesus can turn our embarrassment into blessing and that he always restores better and beyond. This story about water being turned into wine at a family wedding is more than just about Jesus coming in clutch. This story is about the overwhelming sufficiency and superiority of Jesus. See, in the story, Jesus was telling us something about himself, that Jesus has not just replaced the law, he has exceedingly fulfilled it. The relationship between Jesus and his bride, the church, will never run dry. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Our lives are now springing forth new wine. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says that that the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and life abundantly or, or a thriving life. I truly do believe that without God in our lives, our relationships will eventually run dry. We will run out of wine. So I encourage you. This morning, get God on your guest list and experience a thriving life with Him. If you have never had a chance to say yes to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now, this morning. Wherever you are, right in the comfort of your living room, wherever you are listening from, if you want to experience a thriving life with Jesus, a life in which your wine never runs dry, I want you to pray this with me. Jesus, for far too long, I have tried to fix things on my own. And I know that I have messed up and I've done things that are wrong. And I know that there's nothing that I could do to earn your love. Jesus, I thank you for choosing to love me anyway. I thank you for dying on the cross in my place taking the weight of of my sin and taking the punishment that I so rightfully deserve. Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and my savior. Use my life for your glory and make me into the type of person that you want me to be. Jesus, I don't wanna do this life on my own. I, I want you to guide me and to lead me and to direct me. Jesus, I thank you for the new and the thriving life that I can experience with you. In your name, I pray, amen. If that was you, This morning, and you just prayed to begin a thriving life with Jesus. I would love to follow up with you. I'd love to connect with you. All you have to do is to text the word THRIVE to 94000. That'll link you to a quick form that you can fill out. And I would love to connect with you, to empower you, to continue to take steps towards a thriving life with Jesus. Well, church, I look forward to continuing this series together, Relationship Goals. All of us have goals in our relationships. All of us want to experience thriving relationships with others. But there's a lot that we have to learn. There's a lot that we have to examine in scripture about what God says about having healthy and thriving relationships. So make sure you check back next week and the week after that. I hope that you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. I hope that you remember to keep God on your guest list. Thank you so much for listening today. We want to empower you to take the next step towards a thriving life with Jesus. If you're looking to get more connected, head over to our website, thrivecity.church slash connect. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and we would love to connect with you.